When someone says, it's the thought that counts, that can often be dismissive. There might have been some thought, but not much effort into the gesture. Or it could be a genuine recognition of a kindness arising from limited resources. When Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say to you, he is pushing us towards making a profound connection between our actions and our desires, what we do and our wills, what we desire and what we intend. The thought does matter. Most of us will not be guilty of murder. In the classic detective drama setup, we may have motivation, but not the means or the opportunity or the ability to get away with it. Lack of opportunity to commit a sin is not the same thing as virtue. Because I have sufficient food, safe and comfortable shelter, and because my family has the same, not being a thief isn't that significant a point of pride. Not murdering a neighbor, because we can't get away with it, isn't either. Jesus pushes deeper and asks that I examine my grudges and resentments. There might be reasonable disagreements, and there are people who are destructive, dishonest, or cruel, and even there where I need to stand for what is right. My opponent still has a claim on me. You fool, to hell with you. Those are things I cannot say, and more challenging, I shouldn't want to say. The thought does count. And Jesus continues, if I cannot make another person an object of scorn or derision, neither can I make them simply a tool to my pleasure or amusement. To look at another person as an object to be used, dishonors their humanity and the God who created them. To treat my relationships, marriage among them, as disposable does not build a life or a world that pleases God. Divorce may well be necessary. Abusive or destructive relationships need to change or end. This brief passage does not say all that can be said about marriage and divorce, not least in that it only assumes unchastity on the part of the woman. Jesus' words, though, do argue for stability and protection for women in a situation where they were too easily cast aside without support, without the means to build a life in that culture and in others. Jesus pushes past the minimum that might be expected of us towards the heart of the thing, building a life that pleases God. Relationships that are outward signs of inward integrity and generosity, who we are and what we do. And then Jesus turns to the question of honesty, the trust that we build as we speak to each other. When we take an oath in court, to speak honestly, take an oath to speak honestly in court, we are on record and held to account. But trust doesn't rest on extra words. We engage in countless conversations on any given day, and if you cannot rely on me to speak truthfully, 
Now, without equivocation, I'm not sure how much more confidence you should feel if I insist I'm telling the truth this time. Let your yes be yes, your no, no. Watch you convince your hearers who you are, not the extra words you add. Jesus pushes to who we are, who we intend to be, the soul that his grace and his claim on us can form. You have heard it said, but I say to you, because people are always trying to find rocks to throw at each other, some would hear this as Jesus giving reason to disdain Jewish teaching of his first century or our neighbors. Scholarship and biblical study would give us time to work through Jesus' words and their context. But clearly, if we think Scripture means to correct someone else and merely applaud us, we've missed the point. Whatever we have heard, whatever forces have shaped our moral outlook and molded our way of life, in this moment, in this place, Jesus says, whatever you have heard, this is what I am saying to you now. You've heard it said, but I say to you, in the silence of these moments, in the scripture we've heard, in the offering we make at this altar, in Christ's presence among us, listen and find both the challenge to grow and the abounding grace by which we are able to live and live so that we can please God, both in will as well as in deed.